if any children want to, it's encouraged. It is not forced. I'm going to invite them to come, come right here on the carpet. And we're going to um, do something that, believe it or not, I think is going to build up the adults in the room as well, even though I'll be speaking with the children. All right. I got a question for you all. Who likes to sing? Yeah? That's it? Okay. Anybody else like to sing? Let me ask you a question real quick. And you might have to think about it. So if your hand goes up right away, I know you didn't quite think about it the way you could. Everybody, everybody ready for this question? You really got to think about it. All right? Why do people sing? Think about it and then raise your hand. Levi, I could tell you thought about it and then rose your hand. I'm going I'm to call on you first. To celebrate about God. Did everybody hear that? That's one reason why people sing for sure. Yeah, Addy. To bless God and worship him. To bless God and worship him. Let's get a couple more answers. Uh, yeah, Charlie. Sometimes if you're bored, singing can be entertainment. Entertainment. Okay. Uh -huh. Norris. People love to hear singing as well as sing. Celebration, blessing God, um, entertainment when you're bored. I'll just get a couple more. I'll come back over here. Bowden. Uh, sometimes people do it because they like the like music in general and hearing certain instruments. Okay. It's just it's pleasing to hear. I'm going to take one more. And Annabelle, your hand, I think, was maybe up very first of all. Annabelle, why do people sing? What do you think? Because Jesus is awesome. Okay, well, let's, let's land it on that high note. Okay. Now, here's another question, and you've got to think real hard about this one, too. Everybody ready? Everybody paying attention? Do I have everybody's eyes? Has anyone ever seen The Lion King? You didn't have to think that hard about that. Okay, now hands down again. Question. Does anybody remember what happens at the very beginning of The Lion King? Yeah, uh, Zeke, what happens at the very beginning of The Lion King? They're just like, ah. They're, 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 they're just like, what? I some of you guys got that. They're singing. They're, si they're singing. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Do you remember... Do you remember, and, and, and what are they singing about? Does anybody remember? Like, what's happening in that, in that beginning scene while they're singing? Think about it. I'm, I'm a little bit worried that not everybody who's waving their hand at me has thought about it. Um, <laughs> Titus, what's going on? Why are they singing? Uh, they're singing because they are kind of like the king just had like a baby. The king just had a baby. Okay, so do you remember the scene? If you've forgotten, it's okay. There's like the giraffes, and they're like eating grass, and they're like, huh? <laughs> and then there's the elephants and the antelope. And they all go to the king's special place, right? Hold on a second. Hold on a second. It's called Pride Rock. That's right. It's called Pride Rock. And they go, and remember that baboon has the little baby lion who's going to be the new king. And he goes like that. And all the animals go like. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, there's the elephants, and they're blowing their horn, and the antelope are pounding their hooves, and the giraffes are making. I don't know what's it. Maybe the kind of like giraffes kind of moo a little bit. Okay, okay. I, now, I knew you guys were going to cry out, and that's, that's okay, but I'm going to ask you to get real quiet again. They sang to their new king 
in the king's special place. And today in the Bible passage, I'm going to read in just a moment. Guys, you're doing so good. I just need you to focus a little bit longer, like two more minutes. In the Bible passage that we're going to read today, something very similar is happening. It's the moment when King David, for the very first time, brings God's Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. I don't know if anybody knows what the Ark of the Covenant is. It was like this. Yeah, okay, I'm going to explain it, but I know you know, Evan. It's this wooden chest, but it's covered with gold, and it's carried with poles, and it symbolized God's very presence with his people. Actually, do you know what it was? It was actually God's throne in the midst of his people, and God's glory covered it. And all these people, just like the beginning of the Lion King, gathered to the king's special place. And you know what they did when they got there? Close. Close. Very close, Bowden. But don't call out. Very close. Isaac, wait a second. Very good. They bowed and they sang. Now hold on. One last minute. One last thing I want to say to you all before you go back to your parents. You're being very good. Hold on for a second, Nomi. Hold on for a second. When we sing, we're not just talking. We're celebrating. Singing brings your feelings into what you're saying in a very special way. Now, what we're going to see today is that when the, when the ark of God, the throne of God, came in the midst of his special place for the... Hold on a second, Gus. The ark came in God's special place for the very first time. People couldn't stop singing. And they sang something like this. We used to sing a song that went like this. You are the Lord, the famous one, the famous one. Do you know it? Great is your name in all the earth. We haven't sung it for a while. You want to sing it again, if you remember? You are the Lord, the famous one, famous one, great is your name in all the earth. Now, kids, I've been speaking, speaking mainly to you all. Um, and now I'm going to speak to the adults especially, including the grown-ups. Hold on a second, Isaac. And, and here's what I want you to do. This is going to be a little hard, but I want you to try to listen. And what that's going to help you do, just for about 10 minutes, I'm going to talk to the adults in the room. It's going to help you get ready for when you're a little bit older, and some of you are very close to this, and you're in here most of the time listening to the word of God preached, praying along with the prayers, and singing along with us for the whole service. So can you try to do that with me? I know it's going to be tough, and I know you're not going to be perfect at it, but can you try when you go back to your, your adults, your parents, your guardians, just to listen for 10 minutes and see what you can learn along with them, okay? Well, for future reference, uh, it wasn't exactly the song, famous one that they sang, but if you read First Chronicles... In the full, it sounds a lot like it to me. Um, let's do this. I got a couple passages of scripture in your bulletin on the third page when you open it up. It's also going to be on the screen behind us, but we're going to look back. So have it open if you can. We're going to return to the words of scripture after it comes down from the screen. This is First Chronicles chapter 16, 1 through 11. Hear these words from the book that we love. And they brought in the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. And they offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before God. And when David had finished offering the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. 
and distributed to all Israel, both men and women, to each a loaf of bread, a portion of meat, and a cake of raisins. Then he appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord to invoke, to thank, and to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief. Second to him were Zechariah, Jael, Shemiramoth, Jehiel, Mattathiah, Eliab, Benaiah, Obed-Edom, and Jael, who were to play harps and lyres. Asaph was to sound the cymbals, and Benaiah and Jehaziel, the priests, were to blow trumpets regularly before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Then on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. And they sang like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him. Sing praises to him. Tell of all his wondrous works. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey folks, building on what I just shared with the kids, the main thing I want you to see here is in verse 7. And it's easily missed, but there's something incredibly significant happening in this passage. Verse 7 says, On that day, the day that the Ark of the Covenant comes into Jerusalem for the first time, on that day, David first appointed that thanksgiving be sung to the Lord by Asaph and his brothers. Let me translate that for you for a second. This is the passage in Scripture where singing is commanded by the whole gathering of worshipers for the very first time. Let me clarify that a little bit. We see songs earlier in Scripture, but if you know your Bible, this is, you know, this is a dozen books into the Bible. This isn't like the book of Genesis. We see other places where people sing to the Lord, like on the far side of the Red Sea, when the slaves are freed, they sing a song, they celebrate. You know, we see uh, Hannah sing a song of dedication when she's given her son in 1 Samuel 2. But not before now. This is the first moment when everybody gathers for the normal worship services where the command comes. Folks, you can't do this without singing. You have to sing beginning now every time. It's very interesting. We were looking at the book of Leviticus last week, and it's really the Old Testament bulletin for how you get through a worship service. And there would be sacrifices, and there'd be some quiet uh, prayers over the animal sacrifices and things like that. But worship was usually pretty quiet. A few times a year there would be festivals and horns would be blown, but you didn't have choruses in your worship services. You just didn't until now. Why now? What is it about this moment in the history of God's people where he says through his servant David, from now on you can't gather and worship my name the way I'm calling you to without singing. Think about it this way. Think about it this way. God here is being enthroned in Jerusalem for the first time. The Ark of the Covenant has come in. You can think of it as kind of a moment of heaven breaking in. We've been looking at the book of Hebrews while we've been in this series about worship, gathered worship. And the writer of Hebrews says, 
all of our earthly expressions of worship, whether it's the place we worship, the priests or the pastors, um, the music that you sing, it's like a shadowy uh, type. It's just like an imitation of the real thing that's going on in heaven all the time. On earth as it is in heaven. That's your summary for why we do what we do in worship. And it seems like this new tabernacle in Jerusalem, the tabernacle of David, somehow is closer to that heavenly reality than Moses' tabernacle was when it was wandering around all over the place. That makes sense. And in the heaven reality, we've seen this again and again in the series, in the heavenly reality of worship, there is singing. There's a lot of singing. So here's how it would work. Every single day, not just on the Sabbath day, every single day, there were sacrifices offered at least twice a day, morning and evening, in the tabernacle. And from now on, there was a choir there singing along. You know, some of you have like a Bible reading plan to like go through different passages of the scriptures throughout the year. And the earliest reading plans, they were called lectionaries. And you'd have some passages you would read in the morning and some in the evening. And do you know every time there was a morning or evening reading, there would be a psalm? Why do psalms, why do the psalms always get to be in like every reading plan in the history of the church? Like why not Genesis or Proverbs? It's because they're songs. And it all comes from right here. In 1 Chronicles 16, morning and evening, singing was commanded. And I just want to end like this, folks. I want to talk about why singing is still so important and why we need to grow in it. Do you remember when Jesus was asked by a teacher of the law, Jesus, what's the first and greatest commandment? And what does Jesus say? And some of you kids know. What did Jesus say is the greatest commandment? I'm going to let you call out. Evan, you've been wanting to call out all day. What's the great commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think a lot of times for this congregation we come in, and we've got love the Lord with your mind, right? Like, uh, but worship isn't just supposed to be this time where you get information that you store away somewhere in your brain that you can retrieve later on. You know what does that? A computer. I'm being serious here. I appreciate the, 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 the laughter. But I'm being serious. I don't know if you know, but with our congregation, I'm being a little bit serious. Not just your mind, right? Heart, soul, mind, and strength. In other words, worship doesn't just involve your brain, what you think, but your chest, your rhythmic breathing, your gut. You know, in the Psalms, that's where your emotions come from, your gut gut, your gut feeling. And that's where songs come from. We come to God, and this is all over your psalm book, all 150 of them. You come to God in the person, you kind of put yourself in the shoes of the person singing the psalms, and you come to God and you say, this is the truth of my experience. And the kids didn't say it. They were right to say celebration, blessing, happiness. But you know other reasons why we sing. We sing because we're sad. Sometimes we sing because we're in pain. The truth of our lived experience, God actually wants us to bring it to him, not just from the brain, but from the chest, from the gut. 
This is the truth of my reality right now. Psalm 55. My heart is in anguish within me. It's where I am. It's the truth of my experience. But that's not the only truth you sing about. You also tr- sing about the truth in the Psalms outside your experience. Did you know? I mean, some of you need to know. There's a truth outside your experience too. The truth of Psalm 42. I know your heart's in anguish within you. But did you also know with Psalm 42 that there's a reason to sing anyway? Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Psalm 42 and 43 say. Why are you so downcast? I know how you're feeling. I know it feels like waves are crashing over you in the middle of the ocean. But have you forgotten the truth outside of your experience? That God is on his throne and always powerful and always listening. And that means you always have a reason to sing joy alongside your very real pain and sorrow. The truth inside of our experience and outside our experience. You're not computers, church. It's like a call and response. Here I am. And he's calling back, here I am. And I want more of who you are, but you also need more of who I am. That's your whole Psalter, and it's our whole worship service. It's our whole worship service. It's a call and response. Do you remember when Jesus prayed? Do you remember when Jesus sang? Anybody remember where Jesus sang in the Gospels? Addie, call it out. Parents, you might have to help me. You guys might have to help me. He sang praise. I'm, gonna, I'm only going to talk about the last night of Jesus' life. After the, after the Last Supper, both Mark and Matthew say, Jesus, on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, sang. And, if, and what we know about the Jewish Passover, we know what songs they were singing that night. It was Psalm 114 to 118. And you know what 118 says? This is the day the Lord has made. Maundy Thursday, the night of betrayal, the night of arrest. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You know he had the tears too. And then what were the songs that he sang the next day? Two psalms from the cross, at least two. There's a debate about it. The first one, Psalm 22, singing. If he had the air to make it up into his lungs, because you know the cross is all about asphyxiation. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Not where the psalm ends, but it's where it begins. And do you know the last words of Jesus on the cross? You know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's his lived experience, right? That's his felt experience. But his very last words as he gave up his breath were the reality outside of his momentary experience. Do you know what his words were? Psalm 31, verse 5, the song that goes, Into thy hands I commit my spirit, because you're there still, and you hear me. Brothers and sisters, he didn't, he didn't know these songs just because he showed up once in a while on the Sabbath to synagogue. He lived these songs, he prayed this, these songs, he sang these songs back and forth, and I just want to commend this to you. If we come together and we only sing on Sundays, then on Sundays it's always going to sound like we only sing on Sundays, (laughs) if you know what I'm saying. And this is for me too. And my simple compassionate charge to you is, 
work these songs into the rhythms of your family any way you can. Your lived experience. Make them sad on Monday. Maybe on Tuesday they'll be thankful. Maybe on Wednesdays they'll just be celebration. There's a whole Psalter there. There's a whole body of songs the church has written and sung. He wants to hear them all. But also hear the reality that comes back to you in a lot of these songs. He's always with us. There's no place where I can go where his spirit isn't. And in Christ, this is the day that the Lord has made. There's always a reason to rejoice. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen.